Good morning again. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you weren't coming. Yeah. Trevor, Brandon, Mariah, three of six. Do we have a vase? I'll put it right here. You take them, you die. Okay. That's sweet. So we have our bowls up here, the prayer bowl, the praise bowl, which is called the trumpet bowl. So if you have prayer requests and you put it in that prayer bowl, we will pray for that immediately as well as about once a month individually until through, through the years. What we do, we've been doing that for a few years. The prayer bowl, is, uh, the praise bowl, the trumpet bowl is if you have something the Lord's answered, we'd love to hear that. It just really helps to hear what the Lord's done in answering prayer. Maybe it's not a prayer that you put in there, but the Lord's done something in answering a prayer you've, you've had. Okay, and then I also on Saturday, I want to remind you, if you can come and join us on Saturday morning, we have usually about 15, 20 people that come, something like that, 12 to 20, and we just pray for our church. We've been doing that right from the start every week. It's called our hour of prayer. We just read a chapter in the Bible. We've now been doing the prayer meeting so long, we're up to Luke chapter 19, one chapter for every prayer meeting. So we're in Luke 19 now doing that. So if you can come and join us, we would love that. I believe that is the powerhouse of our church. We have a seniors prayer meeting. There's a, we have a prayer meeting on Thursday with our staff. So just we know that, like we put on the wall, our, our house, my house should be called a house of prayer. It says for all nations, which at least in part means anywhere there's a church, there needs to be a prayer meeting. And so ours is on, on Saturday morning from, from 8 to 9, one hour. Also, I want to reemphasize for you guys, if you would come out on Monday night, tomorrow night, and we're going, to be go we're going through this book called Spiritual Disciplines. Tomorrow we're going to talk about worship. There's a couple of guys that are worship leaders are going to come, and just for a short, it's one hour, simply one hour. Uh, so it's not so much a Bible study as it is going through that and encouraging. What was on my heart with that is we need, the men need to get together and encourage each other, and particularly in the area of just our spiritual disciplines, which are for the purpose of godliness, so that we're growing close to the Lord, and that is a battle all the time. So this book that we're going through, the chapter this week is on worship. Also, and out on the table, you'll see, you've probably seen it already, but we have, we have a referendum and an initiative we're taking signatures for, but I want to tell you as a church, our desire is to be balanced and but bold, or balanced and bold. So we're praying through these things that are going on in our nation, things that affect our families, things that are trying to um, counteract, if you will, fight the battle, fight the fight, because there are some very, very evil things that are being perpetrated by our government against what God has designed in marriage family. So I hope you'll, so we're not going to chase you around the, the lobby. Right? We're just going to say, hey, be informed. See, if you're educated, then you're getting equipped. And if you're equipped, you're going to be encouraged. But what, if we're not educated, we're not going to be equipped. And if we're not equipped, it's going to be discouraging. So the more that we can continue to find out what's going on, to know what's going on, and you know, you parents who have kids in school, you, you know how important that is now more than you ever have. What is going on? What are they teaching? What are they doing? And, uh, so I could spend a long time talking about these things, I'm, and I'll talk about a particular video in, in the study this morning, but please go check those out and, if, and, and sign accordingly. 
for the, those referendums, okay? Finally, the children's ministry, huge. It's, it's so important for us as a, as, a, as a church that we have a ministry that's that tutoring station, then we have our children's ministry from the littlest to through high school, to our, to our children and to our youth. And we, we, there's no, as much important as what we're doing here this morning, as mu maybe more important in some ways. So did you, the, the children's ministry teacher asked her class why Joseph and Mary took Jesus with them to Jerusalem. You know what a small child said? Because they couldn't get child care. <laughs> How about this one? We're going jokes today, okay? It's Father's Day. A children's ministry teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five- and six-year-olds. After explaining the commandment to honor your father and your mother, he asked, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Without missing a beat, one little boy answered, you shall not kill. How many understand that very well? Okay. All right. So our text this morning is Psalm 103, the blessings of a merciful father. And uh, I changed direction on Friday in preparing for Mark and just, I really want to, Lord, what, would, what can I do here to, to encourage the dads, the grandpas, and really all of us? These truths go across the board. But because it's Father's Day, I did one for, for Mother's Day. I, I, the Lord directed me, I believe, to Psalm 103. And this psalm is uh, 22 verses. We haven't done a responsive reading since January. We were doing them fairly regularly, but we haven't done one since January. So I thought, to, as far as reading this passage, we do that responsive reading in that format. So if you would stand up on the board, uh, uh, we'll have Psalm 103. I'll read the odd and the first and odd verses. If you would then together read the second and even verses, and I'll join in with you on that last verse. So here we go. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your mouth is renewed like the eagle's. so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Not your mouth, your youth. <laughs> he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. For as the heavens are higher, are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. The Lord has established his throne in heaven 
and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We bless you, Lord. We speak of you. We honor you. We glorify you. We worship you. And Lord, I ask now in Jesus' name that as I prepare, you break it fresh for this time, that I might be able to speak your words to your people from your word. I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, the things that are on your heart, on your mind, for each and every one of us individually, as only you can do, speak to us and give us ears to hear. We know you are good and gracious. We know that you're merciful, kind beyond all measure. And you want to speak to us. And you want to encourage us. And specifically and particularly, Lord, for us who are dads, grandpas, great-grandpas, Lord, we... We know what that is. We've lived it maybe a few years, maybe many. And Lord, we understand just the incredible thing it is to be a dad, to be a grandpa, to be a great-grandpa, the incredible thing of family and children and all those things. And Lord, you said children are a blessing from you. So that's what makes us dads. So Lord, please take these things and bless them now in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. You can be seated. Three boys are in the schoolyard bragging about their fathers. The first boy says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a poem, and they give him $50. The second boy says, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song, and they give him $100. The third boy says, I got you both beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a sermon, and it takes eight people to collect all the money. A boy was watching his father, a pastor, write a sermon. How do you know what to say? Asked the little boy. Why, God tells me. Oh, then why do you keep crossing things out? (laughs) So I offer my Father's Day sermon, collection to follow, okay? Just kidding. I would like to encourage my fellow dads, and really all of us in this room from the Word, but some of the things that have encouraged me over the years... Nowhere near all of them, because I've been encouraged. So we, we all know the encouragement the Lord brings along in many different ways. In fact, as I was preparing this study, uh, a couple things came to mind, and I thought of a song. I, I looked it up on YouTube and play it, and there's just the ministry of the Holy Spirit. when you It's like candy camera when you least expect it. The Holy Spirit comes along to encourage us, and we need encouragement. We need encouragement. So I hope that I can do that. So... These things, that are, there are thoughts that I have that are mine. There are others that became mine. I love what my pastor said. He said, if it speaks to your heart, it's yours. About his own, the things he might say or someone else might say. He said, if it speaks to your heart, it's yours. It's great when God speaks to our heart and makes it mine. It becomes a reality for me. So I trust God will speak to your heart. And I trust and pray he'll give you something to walk away with. You can claim it as yours from the Holy Spirit, from his word this morning. So I'm a dad of six, 33 years, and still going. I'm a grandpa of six, 10 years, and still running. Once, always, once a dad, always a dad. 
Once a grandpa, always a grandpa. And let me say to you, I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's nothing like it. I've had many moments, sometimes whole seasons, of weathering my weaknesses, my failures and frailties as a father, as a grandpa. I want to testify just to begin that were it not for the love of my heavenly father, I would not know the way to get back up with the same resolve that I'm not going to quit. God is, I am that, and I can't run from it. I want to, as best as I can, know the love of God, that I can transfer that through my life to those little ones that I love. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You might say, Daddy, Father. Very intimate, because we've been born again of the Spirit of God. Galatians, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. How many times have we cried out to God as the one and the only one that can help us, that's there for us, that's faithful? There's a hymn that I came across in my office. O oh, love that will not let me go. It broke me when I found it on YouTube. Oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. The love of God. It says, a light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain. Now, that's the rainbow of the promises of God, not the rainbow that's being trying, trying to steal that. I trace the rainbow through that rain and feel the promise is not in vain that, more, that the morn tomorrow shall tearless be. What God has for us as his children, each and every one of us, is so precious and is founded in his love that is so perfect, so overwhelming. And just to sit and bask in the love of God is what we all need. No matter how much is going on or how bad it seems to get, God's love changes not. He loves us with an everlasting love. He is faithful and gentle and kind. So the, that's one thought to start out. Secondly, be encouraged. Dads, grandpas, if so, great-grandpas. We are just grown-up boys. The thought that came to mind is, stay childlike. Not childish, childlike. It's so fun to be childlike, to goof off. My dad was a kind of a goofball. I'm, well, that's my, me and my dad. I'm kind of a goofball. I see you shaking your head. Am I a goofball? <laughs> There's a, a columnist named Dave Barry. Used to be the Seattle Times. I don't know if he still is or not. But he's been a favorite of Charlotte, my wife's, for a long time. He became my favorite through my wife. I want to read a couple things, again, from just that have encouraged me. In this case, his humor. In his book, Turning 40, he says this, quote, and I, I'm not going to have these on the screen. I'm just going to read them to you. When we look at actual children, we notice immediately that little girls are, in fact, smaller versions of human beings. 
whereas little boys are pod people from the planet Destructo. <laughs> he writes, I don't think society has anything to do with this. I think that if you had two desert islands and you put ba girl babies on one island and boy babies on another island, and they were somehow able to survive with no help from adult society, eventually, the girls would co cooperate in collecting pieces of driftwood and using them to build shelters, whereas the boys would pretend that, that driftwood pieces were guns. <laughs> then he sets in parentheses, yet, yes, I realize they've never, they've had, they've had no way to, of knowing what guns were. This would not stop them, close parenthesis. Not only that, he goes on, but even if the island had 176,000 pieces of driftwood on it, the boys would all end up violently arguing over one of them. <laughs> he goes on, individually, they're okay, boys. But if two of them get together, their combined IQ is halved. <laughs> and if a third boy comes along, it's halved again, and so on. So that if you have, say, six of them, you're talking about the destructive force of a tank commanded by the brain power of a Labrador retriever, unquote. <laughs> God made us different. Our culture has traumatized, been traumatized by the evil assault on masculinity. Now, that comes in a God-given emotional spectrum. The attack is on God's design. The male gender given by God, manifested in boyhood, and to be nurtured to godly manhood, manhood and fatherhood. That's God's doing. It is nothing short of demonic when a little boy or girl is lied to and told that he may be a little girl or she may be a little boy. Jesus said this, woe to those who cause one of these little ones to stumble. It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he was, were thrown into the, into the sea, unquote. I know I've talked a little bit about this, but this is the deal. God made us men, male gender, different for his purposes ultimately in order that the whole of who God is would be seen in relationship as he designed it. So there's been this chipping away at masculinity, at, at what it means to be a man. I want to tell you what it means to be a man. You get a Dixon shirt <laughs> and wear it. This is my man shirt. <laughs> Somebody gave this as a gift at Christmas. Now, I, I come here every Sunday, obviously, and I'm looking around the, the lobby, and everyone's wearing Dixon shirts. I come in today, and nobody's wearing Dixon shirts. But I'm wearing mine, mine. Just kidding. There's a video that I watched. I sent it to many people, our ABCD group, uh, our others. It's called A Biblical Response to the Trancing of America. It's in Romans. You might take, if you want to take a picture of that or send me, I'll send you the, the link to it. I think it's a must-watch. Uh, this guy does a mass, this pastor does a masterful job, and I've watched others of his uh, regarding issues. He takes the Bible, and he begins to explain what's going on in our culture concerning this whole thing of trans, this transient. 
So I'm going to leave that with you, but I hope that you'll continue to press in on these attacks against us as men, dads, grandpas, whatever, against the attacks of, these, of our, of our uh, on, the, on what little boys are, having, are being told, and that we will see God move and just defeat them utterly. Now, Alan Beck wrote, he answered, what is a boy? He wrote, again, not on the screen, I'm just going to read some of these things. Between the innocence of, boy, of babyhood and the dignity of manhood, we find a delightful creature called a boy. Boys are found everywhere, on top of, underneath, inside of, climbing on, swinging from, running around, or jumping to. Mothers love them. Little girls hate them. <laughs> Older sisters and brothers tolerate them. Adults ignore them, but listen, heaven protects them. A boy is a magical creature. You can lock him out of your workshop, but you cannot lock him out of your heart. You can get him out of your study, but you can't get him out of your mind. Might as, we will, might, might as well give up. He is your captor, your jailer, your boss, your master, a freckle-faced, cat-chasing bundle of noise. But when you come home at night with only the shattered piece of your hopes and dreams, he can mend them like new with two magical words. Hi, Daddy. I would change that if I were written it. I would have said two magical words. Daddy, Daddy. That's God's design. That's God's quote-unquote magic, if you will. It's God's wonderful, exalted place that he's put the human race and then male and female. He created them to reflect his image. So my, my little attempts at encouraging you this morning, number one, stay childlike. You men, stay childlike. Don't take yourself too seriously. Secondly, be tender. Be tender. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David is encouraging himself. Don't forget how good God is. Don't forget how generous God is. Don't forget that he's taken care of you and watched over you. He's encouraged us to remember that God, bless the Lord, oh my soul, for God forget not all of his benefits to you. And I will say to you from my own personal testimony, and I know it's true for everyone else, when you begin to really sort of take in or it takes over of the goodness of God, it takes a tenderness to your heart, a softening to the heart. Often, that's that psalm, when I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars that you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? I often sit and go, who am I that you would think of me? Who am I that you would do these things for me? And it just brings a good broken tenderness. Be tender by thinking. Do not forget all of his benefits. This is when the encouragement reaches us. This is when the discouragement is blown away. And you sit in the presence of God and say, forget not all of his benefits. 
when ashes are blown away by the beauty of the Lord. When mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, is soothed away with the oil of joy. When the spirit of heaviness is lifted and wrapped up in the garment of praise, forgetting not all his benefits, forgetting not how good he's been and is always. We are so prone to forget and move into discouragement and move into this and that and the other thing. Forget not all his benefits, all of his goodness. Now, I see a list here of five of those, but we could no more exhaust the list of all of his benefits than we could drain the oceans dry. There's a song called The Love of God. Maybe some of you know it. It's an old hymn. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and the angels' song. God's love. Oh, the love of God, the goodness of God. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above? would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. It reminds me of what John wrote. You know, there are many other things that Jesus did. And if I were going to try and write them, I, the books of the whole world couldn't contain them. That is the benefits of God, the goodness of God to us. The Bible emphasizes spiritual blessings above his most generous material blessings. Let's pass that on to our children. Let's pass them on to our grandchildren. That we have in Christ these tremendous blessings because of our faith and believing in the gospel. Let's pass them on, amen. Let's be tenderly giving to them the riches of our inheritance in Christ. He forgives all your iniquities. See, that's in the gospel. That's in the the inheritance that we have in Christ, who heals all your diseases. Now, that's a little bit of a tough one. By his stripes, we are healed. That's speaking spiritually, first and foremost, that Christ went to the cross, and by his stripes, we are healed. We are reconciled to God. We are made spiritually whole. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the, the, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's one of our tremendous benefits of the gospel who heals all your diseases. All genuine healing, ultimately, we're talking, let's talk physically. All genuine healing is ultimately from God. He designed our bodies to heal themselves. He built it in. Doctors are discovering things, got medicines. There is sin and sickness in the world. There's sickness because of sin. But God's the ultimate. He's the healing. The Lord is able to heal any sickness. 
The Lord can heal naturally and, or supernaturally. He can heal him instantly or with delay. But what he's doing and how he does that is all ultimately for the health of us spiritually. So maybe he's allowed some things in your life. He's allowed them in mine. Physically. You go, God, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. And yet I have to fall back as best as I can on my own infirmities. Say, okay. What do you have in mind? Paul the apostle understood that. He said in 2 Corinthians, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, the benefits, by the abundance that God has given to him in, revel, in re revealing to him the gospel, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Notice, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Paul began to understand that these things, whatever he's talking about, we're not sure about that. Could be an eye disease. He had something was going on. And he's saying, Lord, would you take that away from me? It seems to be a great hindrance to my life. But then he came to realize that God given this satanic, demonic something, lest he get out from under the love of God. Lest he be exalted above measure. Lest his pride get a hold of him. And he had a lot to be proud of. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. You know, I depart from you. Have you pleaded with the Lord about things like that? I say plead on for sure. But then plea also. God, like Paul says here, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And I think we need to hear that, for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Really? In reproaches, really? In needs, really? In persecutions, really? In distresses, really? Listen, what Paul discovered is God made it a reality for him. Where God's grace, forget not all of his benefits, forget not his grace, forget not that God has a plan and whatever he's doing is ultimately for our spiritual health. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Have you ever been in those places where you're just going, God, you are so good. You've strengthened me. You've lifted me up out of the pit, underneath of the everlasting arms. That's our God. Forget not all of his benefits. Be tender. Let God tenderize your heart, who redeems your life from destruction. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I think of the prodigal son, and I think any, any sermon for me that lacks that, at least some uh, talking about the prodigal son. I was a prodigal. Give me my inheritance. I'm going out, man. I'm going out. I'm going to enjoy life. And there he goes. His father gave it to him. He left. You know the story. So powerful because it speaks so much to the natural tendency. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, take my heart and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We're so tending to, pro to, to wander. 
It's in that wandering that God captures us by some. And we say, you know what? It was better when I was eating in my, in, in my father's house. It was so good. And so he makes up, his, makes up a little paragraph. When he, well, I'm not wor- Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And he's on his way back. Now, I don't know how long that was, but his father's sitting there. Wa- I think he's watching for him every day, as any father would. Where is my son? Where is he? Is he going to come back? Am I going to even see him alive again? I've been through that. Many of you parents have been through Am I going to see him? I remember when I was young, I was 12 or something, and my oldest sister left the house. And nobody knew where she was. My mom didn't know. My dad didn't know. I didn't know. My sister didn't know. And she'd been gone for a long time, and all of a sudden the phone rings one day, and it had the, you know, the long cord on it. You know? <laughs> and I pick up the phone, and it's my sister Connie. Connie? I give her mom and dad, hey, it's Connie. She's, you know, just what happens in the heart of a parent when the child is gone, the child's missing. We don't know what it is. We don't know what they're doing. Don't even know if they're alive. So here's this dad. His son's gone, right? He doesn't know what's going on, but he knows he wants him back home. And let me say, that's the heart of God our Father. To have us back home. To make him, to settle down and make himself at home in our hearts. So here comes the son. I, I picture him sitting there watching, watching. And then here's this little silhouette. He, get, he gets up. Is it him? As it comes close, there he is. He's home. He's home. He's, he, crown, he, he crowns you with loving kindness and tenderness. He's not saying, you know, okay, well, when he gets back here, I'm going to make him pay. I'm going to take him to task. No, he gets back. He goes running to him, braces him, and he's trying to get the, the paragraph out. Well, I'm no longer, he said, you don't need to say anything right now. Right now, you're here. And so he crowns him. He throws the robe on him, gets the ring, gets the calf, fatty calf, you know, ready for a, for a celebration. Why? It's very simple. He was lost, and he's found. He was dead. He's alive. You see, that's the tenderness that comes even in great, great stress and, and, and discouragement. And what's going on? God, his heart is for the lost, for the wayward. Do you have wayward children today? We do. Do you have lost children today? What's God's heart? Get the robe, get the ring. Get the celebration going because he was lost, he's found. He was dead, he's alive. See, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Do you remember when you came to Christ? Did God take you to task for how you had been living your life? Oh no, he called you out of that. He met you coming out of that. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That word mouth means desires. Who satisfies your desires with good things. God is good. And some of those desires that are in our hearts, we find out are not good, they're bad. 
But God takes and satisfies the things that desires for him. Till your youth is renewed like the eagle. Maybe that's why they call it born again. Whole new start. The eagle is known for its long life and superior strength and speed. Renews your youth like the eagles. It pictures youthfulness and strength, keen eye vision. So like the eagle soaring from one height to the next, the idea is that of a life going from strength to strength, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. Be tender. God loves you. God does these things for us. Isaiah, you know it well, so many of you. Isaiah 40, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. That always blows my mind. Who have nothing, and God increases. Not the nothingness, he increases somethingness. Strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. That's going to happen. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall, wear, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I say, hallelujah. Be tender. Third, be gracious. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. There's so many things in here we could do three or four Bible studies on. This is one of them. He's speaking back to when the children of Israel sinned against him while Moses is up getting the Ten Commandments. Comes down, breaks the things. I mean... God calls him back up to get the second set of tablets. He brings them up to get them engraved on. And God revealed himself to Moses. Listen, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He listened to Moses as he's interceding. He didn't have to. He spared the children of Israel when it would have been perfectly just to destroy them and be done with it right there. Be gracious. God is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. He doesn't give us what we do deserve and gives us what we don't deserve. And what the children of Israel experienced was a God of grace. And when he prepared to Moses, he said these same words, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. That's our God. Be gracious. Putting up with the great, (laughs) I think of my own life, many of you the same. What God put up with with me in my prodigal years, when he should have just said, I'm done. He never did that. He's not willing any should perish. He's long-suffering. He wants us to come to him. And he goes to great lengths in order to bring that about through what? The covenant, the new covenant. Israel, the old covenant. Israel, us, the new covenant. Through that, he's continually coming. Isaiah says, therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he'll be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a, is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Romans, do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance? Forbearance long, Not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You'd think it would be the rod of God. The goodness of God. 
leads you to repentance. Be tender. He's long, he's slow to anger. I wrote down here, have a long fuse. Be gracious, have a long fuse. Slow to anger. Ephesians, we read, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training admonition of the Lord. We just went over that on Wednesday night. Colossians, same thing, a little different. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. James, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And this, I learned this during the pandemic. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Slow, long fuse. That's grace. Our son Trevor, I don't remember exactly how old he was, but he once said jokingly, probably his early teens, to, to his mom, Charlotte, he said, don't tell me what to do. Any, any parents ever get that? <laughs> and Charlotte would say, Trevor, that's my job, to tell you what to do. So Trevor went and looked up in the dictionary, mother. <laughs> he came back and said, that's not in the definition. Remembering this, I looked up the definition of a father. Father, a man in relation to his child or children. So here's the relation that I hold to. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. <laughs> Just kidding. Long suffering. I like what Charlie Wadsworth said. By the time a man realized that maybe his father was right... He usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. <laughs> he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Have a short memory. Be gracious. Be gracious. Can you imagine if God kept bringing everything up? Do you remember? And he'd have it perfectly down. I mean, he wouldn't be a problem recalling it. He, he knows. He has not dealt us according to our sins, punished us according to our iniquities. As heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who hear it is fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. In other words, it's measureless. Infinitely done. Eternally done. I say have a thick skin and a soft heart. Surely he has borne our sorrows and carried our grief. We have seen him smitten, stricken by God, but he was wounded for our transgressions. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took it for us. Sent his son to do so. So stay childlike, be tender, be gracious. Finally, fear God. Just fear God. Three times he says that. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as east is from the west, it's transgressions. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. But what does that mean? Here's how I look at it. It's only when I take God seriously do I understand how seriously God takes me. He cares. When I take God seriously, I understand how seriously God takes sin. And those two clash in his love for us. 
And so he took care of sin for us. Fear him. He takes us, our lives, seriously. Fear him. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What did he do? He sent his son to take care of that for us. Fear him. We are so frail, so temporary, so brief, so soon forgotten. I watched this. I hope I'm not repeating myself. I watched the sermon. Here's the title. Love Jesus, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. How's that for encouragement? <laughs> Love Jesus, great. Preach the gospel, great. Die and be forgotten. Notice what he says, as man's days are like grass, like a flower, they fade and they're gone. That is what is the truth. Fear God. Our lives are a vapor that God wants to make substance of. That God wants to take, and our lives are so, so frail. Fear God. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And as we go to God, we, re we begin realizing that God takes us seriously. And he takes sin seriously. If it doesn't matter how we live, then why did Jesus have to die? And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is what instructs us in the blessing of obedience to him. Now, we as fathers are concerned about our children growing up in a world full of wickedness. So let's be the real deal with God. Let's be the real deal with God. Fear Him means we take Him seriously by acknowledging and embracing our need for Him, by trusting and obeying Him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Fear God. Fear God. God is always the initiator. We are the responders. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son for us. We love him because he first loved us. Fear God. He initiated, he loves us, even as the other two compile on that. Be child, stay childlike, be tender, be gracious. Fear God. Dads. He closes. It's as though he closes his eyes in this, ma this masterful psalm with his hands and eyes raised to heaven to join the angelic hosts and all of creation. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. Can I have the worship team come out? And his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the place of his dominion, can you say it with me? Bless, bless the Lord, O my soul. Say it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You ready? Why don't you stand? Let's close.